Welcome everybody to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Justin Buckaloo. Hey, it's Mathis. Thanks for listening. Please check out Steve Mathis Classics Podcasts, Volume 1, 2, and 3, or Un, Deux, Trois, if you're French. It's got all the podcasts that I've ever done. I'm up to, I don't know, a shit ton of these things. So when you tweet me and say, hey, have you ever done a podcast with this guy? Have you ever done a podcast with that guy? It's probably in those archives. Um, so please check them out. Subscribe to them on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using to, uh, to get these things. And uh, there'll be a ton more podcasts in there. No J-Law one, but just about everybody else. And I'm still working through different dudes. Um, so please check that out and, uh, and go back and listen and listen to how shitty I am as a podcast host. I mean, I'm crappy now, but I was even crappier back then. So you can listen to that and uh, maybe hear the evolution of a podcast show starting in 2008 to now. So Steve Mathis Classics, Volume 1, 2, and 3. Search them. Go through them. Bradshaw, Emig, Bale, Dave Arnold. All those guys are in there, plus a bunch of race reviews and everything else. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This week, it's Justin Buckaloo. Bucky was the next guy. He was the guy. A uh, longtime Yamaha amateur support rider and uh, a real dominant mini bike rider. And looking at his, uh, re- his results in the vault, I was surprised that he'd only spent one year on big bikes. And then he got hurt the other year before he made a pro jump. So a little bit like Adam Cincerello, uh, where uh, super minis, they didn't have those back then. And then uh, right to big bikes and then pro before you know it. So uh, Bucky was a very great rider. Um, he uh, Injuries really took a toll on him, as you'll hear in this podcast. You wonder what could have been done. And then, of course, I go into my rant about, uh, you know, if you're Yamaha, you invest all this money in this kid and all the support, and he dominates the amateurs in pretty much every time he lines up, and you give him a one-year deal. Uh, as a pro rider, which basically negates all that investment you had him as an amateur. Uh, things have changed now, but uh, if it's me back then, I signed Buckaloo to a three-year deal and tell him, hey, kid, we believe in you. We've seen your talent on the track. You used to beat Travis Pastrana straight up. So here's three years to figure everything out. Don't worry. Um, we'll reassess. But I guess that's easy for me to say. Sitting back in my new office chair. Bucky's always been a good dude, and uh, my buddy Alan Brown had him at Moto Triple X on a 450, and he whole shot the shit out of a bunch of nationals, and uh, he's always been a nice guy at the races, and, and really made the best he could of what happened to him with the injuries and, and different things that uh, that happened to these riders. It's interesting to hear his pro circuit story, too. Forgot about that. That one took me by surprise. So listen in, and thanks to Fly Racing, thanks to Michelin and Race Tech. They're also on board these things, flyracing.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week with another podcast. Thanks, everybody. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on racerx.com. your continued support of our sponsors we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads click that amazon banner on pulp mx to help us out and donate via patreon if it suits you and as always enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us Original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, 
season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Thanks for listening, people. Really appreciate it. Get all the shows on iTunes, download them, get them on Stitcher, get them on the PulpMX app. Also, too, if you're a new listener, uh, there's Steve Mathis Classics. There's three volumes of them. Just search Steve Mathis on iTunes or in any podcatcher. It'll come up, and it's got all the podcasts with all the old guys and uh, my original podcast and everything else. So if you're wondering, um, if you're missing out, just please search my name. Check them out. There's a bundle of podcasts in there that I've done ever since 2008, I believe. So thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. Flyracing.com, uh, the Carbon F2 uh, helmet, the uh, it's Carbon Fiber Kevlar Coolmax MIPS. It's in standard form. is as close to a factory race back as a helmet can get. Uh, Canard, Pike, Millsaps, Baggett, uh, Bloss, just some of the guys that wear this helmet. And it's a right out of the box, onto the racetrack ready helmet. 10 graphic styles, 22 colorways, your local authorized fly dealer. And the 2017 and a half kinetic mesh stuff is out now, today, Friday, uh, March 10th. Uh, you can, uh, you'll can you see it on day, in, day, in Daytona on all the fly racing athletes. And uh, you can order it now, and uh, they're excited about it. So therefore, I'm excited about it. How's that? Uh, again, thanks for listening. I'm Steve Mathis with me on the line. Former Loretta Lins, multi-time amateur national champion, San Diego Supercross winner, former Yamaha Troy rider, now running motocrosscoach.com, Justin Buckaloo. What's up, Bucky? How are you? Hey, Steve. I'm good, man. I'm really good. Thanks for having me on the show here. Yeah, no problem, man. Just uh, as I told you before we started, like, no idea why. I was sitting on the couch, and I'm like, I wonder what Buckaloo's up to. I should call him and do one of these. <laughs> that was it. There was no other reason, so... <laughs> Well, cool. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I've been in, in Phoenix, Arizona for a little over 10 years now, and kind of when I decided to to hang it up racing, just um, got into coaching other riders just based off uh, some people contacting me, wanting me to work with their kids, and realized I really enjoyed it and really liked it, and I could kind of see a future doing that, so that's what I've been doing ever since. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting gig. How is the motocross scene in Phoenix? How's that going? It's pretty cool. You know, we have uh, several tracks around here, and there's a lot of people that ride motocross here and um, and off-road also. Uh, we don't have, you know, the hugest uh, race series. We do have a couple really good race series that um, have a consistent following, but um, not quite what it is, you know, in Southern California and places like that, of course. But uh, it's a pretty solid moto scene mm-hmm. here in Phoenix. New Mexico Mafia, Justin Bacalo. God, there was 20 of you guys running around in the height. I couldn't even keep them all straight. <laughs> well, not not quite 20, but I'm glad that it that it felt that way to, mm-hmm. uh, to the competition, hopefully. Yeah, really, right? Uh, yeah, quite a bit different scene, you know, back then in New Mexico. Like like I was saying, you know, Phoenix compared to that is, is a huge motocross uh, community because back then it was just super small. Um, a lot of people rode off road in New Mexico, and mm-hmm. I still miss I still miss riding in the desert out there. Like uh, there's a lot of really good desert riding, and that's sort of what we grew up doing was was more riding in the desert. Um, but we had that whole little crew: my cousins and Tedesco's, Ryan Clark. Yeah, let's know, let's let's break it down. So we, we we got you, Justin Bacalou. We got Gio Tedesco and Ivan Tedesco. We got mm-hmm. Keith and Kevin Johnson. We got Ryan Clark. Right. Am I, who am I missing? 
Um, oh, Isaiah. Other cousins, Isaiah, Isaiah. Isaiah and Aaron Johnson. Right, Aaron's still around um, right actually, now. Yep. yep. Uh, Zach White, you probably know Zach. He was mm-hmm. part of our part of our crew. Um, and then, you know, there there was uh, Travis Hodges. Oh, yeah. A little older, right? Travis. Yep. Yep. So there was a pretty big crew of, of guys. And even... Even before them, uh, a guy named Sean Morga and Robbie Claus, they were kind of the older generation. Um, that was our fast local guys that, you know, did well and stuff at, at the Nationals also. And uh, Robbie's still around. I still talk to him and his daughter's racing and stuff now. But the core guys like you're talking about mm-hmm. was Tedesco, Johnson, myself, and Clark. Um, and then what about uh, guys and, Jason, and Jason Anderson, keeping it alive? Anderson keeping it alive. I know. I don't really know Jason. I mean, he's actually from Edgewood, which is the same small town that I live in or lived in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes east of Albuquerque. And I've met him a couple of times, but uh, never, I I had already moved out to California by the time he was coming up. I would think think that you guys racing and riding inspired him a bit though. Sure. Why not? Right. I mean, I don't know for sure, but Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know like, being from New Mexico, you always kind of feel connected with those guys, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah, it's an interesting subplot. It was it was crazy <laughs> back then to, to see all you guys and track your careers and track the ups and downs for everybody. Ivan probably went on to have the most successful career. You won a race. Isaiah Johnson was really fast for a couple of years. And, of course, Ryan Clark was steady for maybe the longest time. Um, and Gio got hurt. Uh, Keith and Kevin, great. Uh, uh, Kevin had a nice arena cross career. And Keith uh, went on to uh, have some good rides with Star, and, and I was his mechanic at, at KTM one year. So, like, you guys all made it in different sorts of levels, you know what I mean? It's all interesting to track everybody. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And uh, one thing, like, you know, now looking back, I have a little different perspective, but one of the coolest things, I'd have to look it up in the results and see exactly who all was in the main event that night, but... We were all doing different things, you know, Keith and Kevin raced arena cross quite a bit, especially Kevin was mostly, he raced supercross also, but mostly arena cross. Mm -hmm. And we were all, you know, some guys were in lights class, some guys were in 450s, this and that. But uh, Seattle, I think it was 05, I want to say, Seattle, pretty much all of us made the 450 main that night. Um, I know it was like me and Keith and Kevin and Isaiah, I think all made it, and I think Ryan and Ivan something like that. Like yep. most of us made the main and I thought that was pretty cool to have like, you know, five or six guys, the Albuquerque crew yeah. on the 450 main, you know, I mean, I don't think I did very good in the main that <laughs> night, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's still, still really cool. Um, the, uh, it's interesting. So growing up, uh, you were like just phenomenal, uh, 80 rider and, and Yamaha, a big hope for am- Yamaha amateur program. Were you, What's the age difference here? Break me down the age difference here between Gio and Ivan and, and Johnson's and you and every like and Clark. Is Clark a little older? Yeah, so I think Ryan might be the oldest, but basically him and Keith and Isaiah are about the same age. They're about three years older than me. Okay. I'm the same age as as Ivan and uh Kevin. Aaron is a little bit younger. And then um who am I missing? Gio is kind of in the, in between. I think he's only what a year or two older than. Okay. Maybe a couple of years older than Ivan and myself. Um and uh, and Aaron of course uh, works for uh, the RCH crew. So. Yep. Um, Aaron and I mean Aaron and Zach really have have had the longest careers going into yeah. the mechanical 
mechanical side of it, and they've both been super successful. You know, Zach over at PC, and yeah. and he was my mechanic uh, when I first started out, which was which was really cool because Zach and I were really good friends growing mm-hmm. up, and uh, that's kind of how it all came about. I mean, it was just basically like me and him sitting in my garage talking, dreaming about the future, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I got the chance to ride for Yamaha Troy, I really kind of lobbied with for him to be my mechanic, and it all worked. Oh, did out. you really? Oh, okay. So you, so make that sure you cool. tell him that every time you see him. Make sure you tell him that. Tell him you. I know. Got the I know. I need to remind him. No, we're we're still. Uh, you know, we don't keep in touch that good, but still good friends with, right. with Zach. And I mean, he's earned his own way. It wasn't because of me. I mean, he's a talented <laughs> guy. Uh, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying it was cool how it worked out. Yeah. Uh, motocrosscoach.com, Justin Baku. So anybody can go on there and uh, and learn more about your program and uh, and use you for private lessons or schools or anything else. If you want to travel, you can yep. do that too. Yeah, so um, my website, like you said, motocrosscoach.com, tells a little bit about me and what I do and stuff and uh have like a few different options. I mostly just train here in Phoenix, um, but I do travel a little bit. I uh, went to St. George, Utah last weekend. Actually drove right through, right by your house yeah. in Vegas on the way up there, but uh, they got a cool track up there and did a class. And so sometimes I travel out of state a little bit, but mostly just yep. um, training the kids that live here in Phoenix. Uh, I do also have kind of like an online training type thing on my website where you can access like instructional videos and tips and things like that. So oh, cool! You can check that out too. But uh, yeah, I've been to that. Part, I've been to that track in St. George. It's good. It's a good track. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, cool. It was a lot of fun. It was a little windy. I don't know if you know about the wind moving out in Vegas. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know for sure. Windy, but I'm used to that. It's New Mexico style, so it just made me feel like I was back at Moriarty. I remember when, uh, whenever it got muddy, Keith Johnson, Kevin Johnson, they'd be like, "I'm done. I'm done. I'm. I can't ride it. I'm done. I did. I don't know anything about the mud. I suck. It's just hilarious. <laughs> well, such negative attitudes about the mud. They're, I'm from New Mexico." <laughs> Angry Keith with a negative attitude. Come on. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you? When's the last time you raced? Do you still race? No, I, no? I quit racing. Uh, so <clears throat> I raced. My last full season was '07 with the Tough Honda team in Arena Cross. Yeah. And then uh, I started. Actually, had my son, my wife, and I uh, had our first kid that summer, and so that sort of changed things for me. I, I started. Uh, training some guys and I had plans to keep racing arena cross, but, um, I started coaching a little bit that summer mm-hmm. and just, it was really taking off. Like everything was kind of booming here in Phoenix at that time. And I kind of saw more of a future with the coaching than the racing at that point mm-hmm. in my life and, uh, didn't want to travel as much. So just made yeah, the but- decision to do that. And I actually still raced in 08, a couple super crosses just because I remember one of those that. deals where, yeah. Yeah, I Somebody <laughs> called, you know, my buddy Windshields uh, from up in New York was friends with these people on this team and yada, yada. And I ended up doing a couple rounds uh, just for fun kind of a thing. And actually, I'm really glad I did it, kind of enjoyed it. But uh, after that, I just decided that I needed to be done kind of cold turkey. Um, yeah, so no no Loretta Lynn's comeback for you in plus 30 or anything? No plans? <clears throat> no, I mean... I've had those thoughts over the years, but um, it's one of those things where it actually still takes a lot of effort to be ready to do one of those oh, races. Sure. You know, there's yeah. a lot of fast guys, and uh, it's hard to go there. Like people say, "Oh, just go race for fun." Well, 
to me, it's only fun if you're prepared and you're riding well and you're there to win, basically, or to try to win, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm going to ride over my head or something. Uh, it's better for me going to the coach. I've actually been to Loretta's a few times uh, just to coach some riders and oh, stuff have you? like that. Oh, so, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's a lot of work, absolutely, without a doubt. I remember those races you showed up. It was like, hey, is that Buckaloo on the Cowie? <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Hey, yeah. Justin Buckaloo's back. <laughs> I bet you could probably yeah. still start, man. I bet you can still pull a holy against almost anybody. God, you were a good starter. Yeah, thanks. Um, something I focused a lot on, and you know, I was always pretty light, so that mm-hmm. helped. And I feel like I have a good understanding of, of how to get hole shots, how to get good starts. Yeah. Hey, looking back on your career, so like I said, you, you won a bunch of races in, in on 80s. You were a phenomenal 80 rider. Um, you got hurt a little bit near the end of your amateur career, and I think you only raced one year on the big bikes, and then you immediately went into Yamaha Troy. Looking back on it, were you ready to be a pro? Should you have waited a little bit longer? Because I, I think Adam, you know, since Cirillo did the same thing, basically super minis to big bikes for a year and then pro circuit. And I don't know, maybe that's... It's a big jump. Do you feel like you maybe would have benefited from um, staying back? Well, uh, you know, looking back at at my career, there's tons of things that went wrong, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that honestly went wrong. So it's hard to say, but um, I definitely think, like, that I was ready as far as Mm speed-wise. I was ready. Um, And probably mentally I was ready for the most part, but – Physically, I probably wasn't ready because what happened was when I got, I stayed on. The other thing you have to realize, I'm not really sure if Adam was the same way, but probably is I was so short that I stayed on 85s until I was almost 16. Yeah. So, uh, so that was part of it. You know, I basically when I got on 125s, I was 16 already. Um, but the problem was being a little guy, I wasn't quite strong enough for how fast I was going mm-hmm. is what I feel like. Yeah. And so it wasn't that I was riding out of control necessarily, but when I would get in trouble, I didn't have the strength to recover. And I had a few big crashes that resulted in some big injuries. So uh, I was just injured for two years straight leading up to my Supercross debut. Like, I mean, I would come back for like one race and then be injured. I was basically just battling leg injuries for two years. And uh, what happened with that was I just never fully recovered rebuilt my legs as strong as they should have been Mm -hmm. um which led to a bunch of arm pump issues when i turned pro and so you know my first couple years racing pro i just always was battling arm pump which you know yeah obviously is a uphill struggle i I think i had the speed um but combination of things that uh some nerves and and different factors but had i had one more year to stay healthy Mm -hmm. probably would have been a smarter decision yeah but it wasn't that I was being pushed into the pros. It was just my own decision. I, you know, I was pushing myself into it. But right. hindsight, hindsight, yeah, I probably should have waited another year. It would have been better. When you say leg injuries, do you mean like knees or did you have other problems going on? Uh, I just, I broke my leg a few times. Uh, uh, my first race on 125s was Gatorback, Minios, mm-hmm. and uh, did really well all week long. Was was basically winning most of my classes. Um, and then crashed like i think one of the last days on motocross and shattered my my right leg and that was like a really big injury um it's like a six-month deal because i shattered the tibia pretty good okay and then 
when I came back, I rebroke it right away. I remember so that, yeah. That ended up taking like a whole year. Um, then I came back and the went ahead and moved up to the A class. I had never really raced in the B class other mm-hmm. than that many of I moved up to A and uh, did pretty well in Texas, won one of those Texas races and stuff. Um, then I dislocated my shoulder before Loretta's. Uh, was able to come back and still race Loretta's and uh, was kind of battling with Pastrana for a couple championships there. Mm-hmm. And ended up breaking my leg in the last moto, my other leg. Uh, and then i ended up having shoulder surgery so like pretty much after loretta's i had ankle surgery and shoulder surgery and then you know that's when i signed with yamaha troy still and tried to get ready for supercross which which i was pretty ready but yeah another another year would have been better sure sure. how many amateur titles do you have i mean obviously i can see loretta's you got four loretta's but good god you have some serious amateur wins it's pretty hard to say because, like, it depends what you can. Yeah, what you count or whatever, right? A, a national, so I don't really know, but I know uh, Tonka. I won about twelve times, I think. Mm-hmm. World Mini, maybe like fifteen. Texas, a bunch of times, like fifteen <laughs> or so. Yeah, yeah. So, a ton. <laughs> a lot of them. I won bronze beat in Minios one year. That was really cool. That was something like I really wanted to win. Yep. Uh, was that that bronze beat award thing? So actually still have that in my house right now but i worked um, for uh i worked yeah. i worked Loretta's for i worked for mo at the at the, at the minios in 99 I was working for ferry at chaparral and they sent me to the minios to work for morris he won something too like a platinum pipe or something he was very stoked um yeah it's a big deal back then um so you go to yamaha troy uh two-year deal no i just had a one-year deal yeah see that's weird like you, you had so much success as an amateur and i remember I mean, I read, you know, I read about you before I ever saw you, and I'm like, this kid is the next kid. You know, he's on fire. Odd to give you a one year deal, I guess. You know, but you know, I uh, I never had really the greatest um, contracts for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think um, my parents were really loyal to to our sponsors and stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid them even turning down like better deals just to stay with like a certain company and things like that. And uh, that was kind of their mindset, and you know, I think there's some there's some importance behind that, being loyal to to sponsors, but mm-hmm. especially people, you know, building relationships with with people in the industry. But on the other hand, you know, it's business, and mm-hmm. and I kind of think that had they shopped me around a little bit more, um, could have worked out better. But I was always just a Yamaha guy. Uh, one thing we haven't touched on is, you know, my grandpa's. Bob Bob Johnson, Bobby J's Yamaha. Mm-hmm. So Yamaha was kind of a big thing for us and in our family. So I felt like they were going to take care of me, you know. In the, in the long run, I don't really know that that didn't really work out, <laughs> to be honest. But, yeah, but, no, uh, for sure. But at the time, that was my mindset. And uh, so anyway, I just I had a one-year deal uh, my first year and then ended up staying on for for two years, but that was pretty touch and go. I mean, they kind of strung me out after the first year to the last minute, whether yeah. or not I was going to get a deal. I always talk about, I've talked about this a bunch. Like I did a podcast with Buddy Antonis, who was Justin Buckaloo, uh, you know, in the late eighties, right. In the early nineties, same as you mini superstar, the next kid. And like, it, this doesn't happen anymore. And you were maybe one of the last of the eras. Like, now they bring these kids along slowly, and they give them, like, Geico Honda gives their kids multiple years. Uh, Pro Circuit does the same thing. 
And, you know, Buddy basically got like a one-year deal as the hottest thing ever, and he was 16 years old and renting cars and driving to tracks by himself, and nobody really cared about him or checked in on him that much. I mean, obviously the parents did, but you know what I mean? The teams themselves. And same thing with you where, like, hey, we've put so much money and time into this Buckaloo kid in his amateur career. Let's give him three years or whatever to figure this out. You know what I mean? Like some security and some, you know, if, if they know your character is a hard worker and they know that you are going to do the right stuff and you don't win all those races that you did by being a sort of a, a jerk off. And, I, and back, I don't understand why some of these teams aren't like, again, they've invested so much in Justin Bakalu, like just, oh, yeah, one year, that's it, kid. That's all you get. And then, you know, again, you sign for another year, but ah, I just makes me shake my head sometimes. I think it's a lot better now the way the teams are doing it, yep. like you said. Uh, it is. Yeah. Bringing the kids up, I mean, it's it's a lot better for the kids for sure. It's it's really good, um, and yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction. I mean, because they get that guidance, and uh, I think it can help the relationship between the rider and the parents. You know, because mm-hmm. there's just uh, so much pressure, and it kind of creates stress. I mean, everyone's kind of heard it between the, the parents and the rider and stuff too. So I yeah. think bringing the kids up young like that. The only disadvantage I see is that, uh, you know, these kids are earning their rides on mini bikes. So I feel like some of them are, are getting their spot early to the point where another kid that's maybe blossoming a little bit later, mm-hmm. like as a teenager on a big bike, yeah. is maybe kind of already lost that chance, yeah. you know, if that makes sense. Oh, like, yeah. No, he I'm, really I'm... has to do something special to take away you know, let's yep. just say Carson Mumford's ride now. Yeah, yeah, you know, like or, or, or Styles uh, Robertson or whatever. or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, right, right. So that that would be the only downside. But for the kids getting the rides, yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> well, even like Fer- <laughs> it's like Ferry's kid uh, is in homeschool. He just refuses to do that. He goes to public school. He doesn't get to ride as much. He doesn't get to practice as much as his competition. He's probably going to be a late bloomer if he decides to do anything. Uh, McElrath was another kid who kind of came out of nowhere, you know, and uh, and they found a spot for him. But you're right, like – you know, Adam signed a Cincerillo signed a five year deal back in the pro circuit days, and and Robertson and Mumford and all these dudes are locked up when they're eleven years old, and so you're exactly right. If there's some kid that has a growth spurt or you know gets out of school, um, public school, and is able to devote more training time, is there a ride there for him? It's a, it's a great topic of discussion for sure. Um, well, I think there's a there's always a need for more support for the riders. Definitely. There's a lot, so many talented guys, you know, I think something that go that sometimes maybe fans don't realize is just, uh, the depth in our sport and, uh, how tough it really is to, to earn one of those rides and make a living doing it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, who was your teammates at Yamaha Troy? Was Ernie there yet or was it the next year? Yeah. So Ernesto turned pro a year before me, actually. So 99. So he was there. Uh-huh. Um, and then my first year was Ron Cotta, Casey Johnson. Um, and uh-huh. then the second year was, uh, um, Nick way, Nathan Ramsey, myself oh, yeah. and Ernie. That's yeah. right. So some pretty good teammates, some pretty good, like fast guys to go practicing with. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, I was thinking about this actually before you called, kind of thinking back about those mm-hmm. days and stuff, and and uh, I I remember too like the 250 guys riding with me a lot, and 
I don't know if that was partially just because back then I kind of had the mindset like, I mean, I was I was friends with my teammates a little bit, but I sort of had the mindset of them being competition, you know, oh, so okay. I didn't always yeah. want to mm-hmm. necessarily ride with them. So that could have been part of it, but I also just think I had a really good group of, of older 250 guys to ride with, um, kind of some of your buddies, actually. Tim Ferry I rode with a lot one year, mm-hmm. seemed like at least in the off offseason. Um, David Villeman, he really kind of helped me and took me under his wing a little bit. Um, at Yamaha, and then uh, same thing with McGrath. I mean, McGrath was like just really cool to to yeah. all of us, you know, giving us tips and stuff like that. So yeah, how about uh, how, yeah, how about rolling? How about rolling up to the Yamaha track as a as a kid, and there's MC practicing the best in the world at that time in 2000, and and and, and then he turns out to be the coolest <clears throat> dude ever, and 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 just yeah. normal, right? Just yeah, yeah, and I had. I had gotten to meet him before, you know, when I was still mm-hmm. an amateur and stuff. So I kind of already knew him and stuff like that. But, but yeah, he's he's a great guy for sure. Did you ever get to ride the Yami track on an 80? Because one time when I was at Yamaha working for Red, uh, Hill shows up and he jumps the triples on a YZ80. And I'm just blown away. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I, didn't. I went there as a B rider. I went there a couple times as an amateur, mm-hmm. but on 125s. Uh, I never went on on uh, 80s, but I did ride Supercross on an 80. Uh, we had our own track out at Moriarty. Oh, okay. At that time, uh, my Uncle Vern, I think, and his buddies kind of were the ones that built it for Isaiah because Isaiah was kind of the first one that started racing Supercross, and then Keith, I think, mm-hmm. the year after him. Or maybe they started the same year. I'm not sure. I don't but, think so. I remember um, Isaiah 198 on a Yamaha. First, he, right? he killed it. He was really good that year. Yeah, and Keith was racing that year too, I think. Was he? Um, but Isaiah maybe started even the year before that on a Kawasaki. But the year you're thinking about, yeah, Isaiah did really good. I mean, I think he got third in the championship that year. Something, man. Fourth, yeah, so. he killed it, and he was he, just a privateer and that was kid. Full privateer. Yeah, yeah, no, that's I know. Like showing up in your own <laughs> van, your dad working on your bike, uh-huh. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Third place or whatever, fourth. What do you up there? <laughs> when you when you got when you got and to, I was riding with those guys. Yeah. When you got to Troy in two thousand, uh Flipper, of course, we know Phil Alderton went ups and downs and substance abuse and eventually uh that caught up to him. He passed away mm-hmm. a little while ago. But you know, the Yamaha Troy, Honda Troy, then Yamaha Troy was this powerful program for many years and then near the end it slipped a little bit. When you got there, how was Flipper? Was he was he good or was he battling his demons or how was how was Phil Alderton when you got there? Um, I think he was good. I mean, uh, I would say he was kind of there, um, hanging out, having a good time, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that sounds like Flipper, like, right? Uh, I mean, he wanted to see us do good, but it just genuinely seemed like he was a fan of the sport and was just there to, to hang out and see the team do well, you know? I mean, Kehoe is really kind of the driving force behind the team, mm-hmm. and keeping everyone organized and stuff. I mean, we just had a really great team back then, or Yamaha Troy sure. did, I should say. But yep. between Kehoe, I mean, he was an awesome team manager. Uh, Dean Baker was our motor guy, and yep. our bikes were super sick. Ross Maeda had our suspension dialed. Yeah. We had really we had really good mechanics on the team. I mean, all the guys that were the mechanics went on to do really well in the sport, you know. Good look too, like the yeah. the blue dragons, the fox gear. Strong look for Yamaha Troy. 
Yeah, we, it was it was pretty fun. It was good. Um, what do you remember about your first Supercross? Eleventh place, Anaheim one. What do you remember? I remember all of it, honestly. Yeah. Were you were you uh, nervous? I, I remember. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. I battled nerves a lot, and just my pro career period uh, really held me back. Just the nerves and putting too much pressure on myself. Um, but it's funny because. I, I've been thinking about this, like the tracks, maybe it was just because I was young and on 125s, but the tracks seemed really gnarly no, that year. Dude, they were, they were, they were gnarly. And, uh, yes. I remember walking the track and they had this double, like where the tunnel is at Anaheim. Uh-huh. You did a 180 degree right hand turn and there was a double and you landed on like a backwards dragon's back. And it was a decent sized double. Like I want to say around 40 feet. Yep. Um, so, you know, not a huge double, but yeah. it was tall, it was tall, about 40 foot double, but you landed in like big whoops <laughs> coming down this thing. Coming down a dragon. Uh, right. Yeah. Like in, you know, 40 feet into these big whoops and I'm like walking the track and thinking like, wow, is this really, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I was kind of like looking at Casey Johnson, like, this, we're doing this, right? Uh, like, Casey, <laughs> Casey are you are you jumping this? <laughs> no, but, dude, remember uh, those whoops? Remember how big they were in Anaheim uh, 1, 2000? Oh, my God, they were huge. Yeah, I think we were jumping them. Um, I can't remember for sure. It seems like oh. jumping whoops is popular again this year, but <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, jumping whoops back then on 125s. But uh, the coolest thing about that night was, um, you know, I did okay in my heat. I mm-hmm. can't remember. I qualified out of my heat and then. I remember before the main just being like, okay, you need to get it together. You need to, you know, get focused and like put it down right now. And I kind of was able to get my confidence up before the main and uh, got, I was way on the inside and I got a good start, uh, probably like maybe fifth or sixth or something. And I had figured out there was one triple, like back then, you know, you didn't always jump every obstacle on 125. And uh, there was this really big dragon's back, a regular dragon's back that night too, going forward. And uh, the only guys really blitzing off it that I remember was like, you know, the top 250 guys like mm-hmm. McGrath and Bowman, Tortelli, guys like that. Right. And uh, the the lights guys, most of the guys were kind of blitzing, not clearing the single, then jumping out off the single, then like double single in the triple. And I kind of figured out a way to wheel tap the dragon's back and jump off the top and clear that single and then clear the triple. And uh, I only did it once in practice. And then I kind of was like trying to do the whole save it for the night show. Oh, thing. clever. It really, nice. It didn't really work out in my heat race. Well, I thought it was clever at the time, but later I kind of decided it's a better idea just to get it down in practice. <laughs> 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 because... Because I couldn't do it in the heat, and then uh, I kind of figured it out for the main, and I started passing people there, and I just remembered it was so cool because I would jump over their heads on the triple, and the crowd was going nuts, and it was like a really cool experience. Sure. And I I worked up to third, and then I came by uh, the mechanics area, and I remember seeing the pit board, and it said like lap five. And I think that was the first time I took a breath in the whole main event (laughs) (laughs) because I took a deep breath and realized I was pretty winded. And I I thought, you know, I thought it was going to be like two to go or something. And it was, (laughs) I was five laps in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So long, long story, but I ended up crashing, just uh, got off balance in this rut and clipped a tough block and crashed and ended up 11th. But, um, 
it was still a really fun night and uh yeah kind of inspired me to have a lot of confidence and i was really confident going into the next week and then unfortunately the next week i cased this jump really bad in practice and strained my wrist pretty good and kind of battled that and that sort of unraveled things a little bit or made it more of a struggle but um, but yeah, yeah ping, ping one, Anaheim one, 2000. I didn't even know that. I had to go look it up. Yeah, I think so. Um, yep. but you got an eighth and a seventh, uh, Minneapolis six and Dallas. Um, so, you know, you're coming around, you're learning the game a little bit. Ninth at the first national that year. Uh, definitely after that national results weren't awesome, but 10th of buds and 13th, 11th, 12th. So you're getting a hang of being a pro, you know what I mean? You're figuring it out. Well, like I said, arm pump was a big problem for me that year mm-hmm. uh, just because I really didn't have my legs strong enough and I think from my injuries I had taught myself to ride more with upper body and hadn't re- didn't realize it at the time but I just had just really bad arm pump all the time that year so it was a uh, it was a struggle but mm-hmm. funny thing is is like during that time it really felt like my whole world was unraveling because I was doing so poorly yeah like yeah. my expectations of myself were to win my expectations in my family were to win. Sure. And, you know, 9th, 10th, 12th, whatever. Right. Just felt like, honestly, felt like just horrible. And it's funny looking back because now I look at it and I'm like, dang, I actually, I mean, I did pretty good. I think. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know. I'm like, hey, that wasn't, that wasn't so bad for a rookie. But at the time, yeah, it seemed really horrible, to be honest. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on Racer X. I want to talk to you a little bit about Racetech. The folks at Racetech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PULPMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right? If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Racetech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Racetech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now. Valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department, experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hit a motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, 
and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands... Please tell them. No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet, you're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. Well, and, you know, again, I'm looking at you from afar just as a guy, that, you know, I'm a mechanic at this point. But, yeah, I definitely thought you were going to do better. You know what I mean? You, your hype was big. People were like, this buckle. I mean, you're right about those injuries. You know, there definitely was questions about that. But um, it's just you were thrown into a deep end a little bit, you know, and, and, and that's why I asked that question at the very beginning. Like, what if you had gotten healthy and waited a year? You know what I mean? Like, who knows if if but ifs and buts were candies and nuts, right? Like you don't really know. Yeah. Um, so Yamaha Troy brings you back for O one, but not after letting you wait for a little bit. Yeah. So I think it. I can't remember exactly, but it was like all the way down to the wire, kind of a thing. And uh, then I got to come back for O one, yeah, like, which was good because right. I was healthy and had a year on the bike. I had actually. You know, one thing you probably can't tell, but I had arm pump surgery in the middle of the Nationals. Oh, did you? Okay. Um, so I got that done. So that was, you know. Did it work? Not I, not ideal, but right. It definitely, it definitely helps. You know, I mean, yep. if you're if you're out there holding your breath, like I said, the first round. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you're out there holding your breath, or or if you're not riding, you know, controlling the bike with your legs and your core and stuff like that, um, then you're gonna get arm pump. You know, but. But I could ride through it. I mean, it was so bad. Like, Minneapolis, I think you said I got, like, seventh or something. Mm-hmm. But the truth about Minneapolis is I whole shot the main and checked out the first probably three, four laps. Uh-huh. And I just pumped up. I pumped up so bad I couldn't even hold on to the bars, you know. Like, yeah. my hand blew off when I landed on a triple, I think, or something. I mean, it was Jeez. like, that was the kind of arm pump I had. Yeah. You know, like, dangerous to be riding a dirt bike with that kind of arm oh, pump. Oh, absolutely. So, after the surgery was a lot better and then because I had been healthy for a year and, you know, getting my body stronger and stuff like that, the arm pump uh, wasn't as big of an issue, but it's definitely something that I've always struggled with. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, the arm pump surgery was in vogue back in the late 90s. Uh, Ron Cotta had it. Dowdy had it. You had it. Uh, I think Larry Ward might have even had it. Uh, but it's back again. Like, I just saw Osborne got it a little while ago and somebody else just got it too. And um, it seems like that, you know, where they cut that fascia or fascia or whatever around the muscle and the forearm. And, uh, yeah, it's back. That surgery's back. It helps. It helps, but it's not, it's not just total magic cure either. No, 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 exactly right. Um, so, oh, one, third place in the opener, and then you win San Diego. You get second in Anaheim, too. You're probably the points leader at this part, at this point, right? Yeah, I think up until Phoenix. Uh, what was San Diego like? I remember it. I, sh- I probably should have watched it before I did this pod, Bucky. But the way I remember it was you, you just won. It, you just checked out. You um, did you lead every lap? Mo- most of them, I think. Yeah, so I think I won my heat. I whole shot. I won my heat race and whole shot and won the main that night. And uh, it was it was just. I mean, I don't know. I didn't even really honestly ride that great. Mm-hmm. Um, I just rode kind of 
good and uh, got good starts. And part of it, I think, was I was pretty good at learning the track fast. And uh, it was one of those days where they had the track covered due to rain. Mm-hmm. And so they shortened practice. So we had a really short practice session. There was a couple things that were pretty tricky to do on a 125. Mm-hmm. Um, and just played into my advantage. Good long start. And my Dean Baker motor <laughs> pulled. Um, did you did you Back see the, light pink. Yeah, pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> pretty amazing feeling to win a supercross though, man. You had to been so awesome. Like you're finally like, hey, it's coming together. It's third, first, you know, second, eight, a two. Yeah, it was cool. It was it was a good time for sure. It was fun. Um, what happened the rest of the year? You got third overall in the points uh, on the West Coast, so not not so bad. Um, and in outdoors. Again, not not great finishes outdoors, right? But um, you didn't make all the races. You must have got hurt in there somewhere. Yeah, I got hurt at Redbud that year. Uh, crashed and had a pretty bad crash and uh, dislocated my shoulder and had to have shoulder surgery. So that um, kind of ended my season early. We, we were having some bike issues mm-hmm. in the beginning of that year. Uh, problems with the gas boiling and stuff and... Uh, I got hurt in Vegas also because of that right before outdoors started. So that kind of started out my outdoors bad. I mean, not like injured, but yeah, uh, my bike bogged on the face of a jump and I cased it real bad, the finish line. And I think maybe Peter, I can't remember, somebody landed on me and I messed up my back pretty bad and stuff. So just wasn't a good start to the season. And then uh, I think I exploded my front wheel on the landing of a jump at Redbud. Yeah. Um, whether it exploded after I crashed or as I was crashing, I don't know. But <laughs> it was bad. It was I bad landed, yeah. and yeah, <laughs> it was bad. So that was kind of the end of that, and unfortunately that was my the end of me being at Yamaha Troy. Yeah. Um, so what, at the end of the year, they're just like, hey, kids, see you later? Like, you just, we don't want, did they let you know early? <laughs> did, they, did they string you along again? Well, what happened was... Um, they, I don't know. I mean, I got an offer from them, but at that point I was getting offers from pretty much every team. Well, yeah, for sure. Uh, just be, because of my Supercross year. And so I had offers from a lot of different teams and I just really, my Yamaha offer wasn't good. And they had already signed a couple other guys uh, before me, which just kind of wasn't cool, I didn't think. Uh-huh. Um, and it just it wasn't that good of an offer and and uh, I actually called Yamaha and was like hey I want to stay on Yamaha's uh-huh. like I want to ride for Yamaha Trey but here's here's you know my problems I have with the contract and they just kind of said well we don't know what to tell you like how so, bad was it like what are we talking like <clears throat> what do you, do you remember like how much of a cut was it well it wasn't a cut it was a raise from what I was making but I was it was it was, you know, half, less than half of what the other teams were offering me. So, in other oh, words, wow. I had a I had a deal from Factory Suzuki. So, what happened was I had a deal from Factory Suzuki that was going to be more than double yeah. than what Yamaha Troy offered me and a lot better terms and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, and so, I was going to go ride for Factory Suzuki. Um and that was pretty much that. But what ended up happening with that was uh, this was right before I got hurt at Redbud all this was happening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, after I got hurt at Redbud, um, Roger called, I had an agent at the time and wanted me to go see their team doctor. I had already had the surgery and everything. Mm-hmm. And just being, being a kid, I thought that 
he was telling me to go see the doctor because I was on the team and they wanted me to just be healthy and stuff like that. Right. But uh turns out it was more of like an evaluation kind of a thing. Oh, jeez. And uh, so what happened was I met with this doctor and uh, he wanted to see my surgery report, uh-huh. which was no big deal. So I left. I called my doctor to get the surgery report. And this is like on a Friday or uh-huh. whatever. Yep. And the lady's like, oh, well, you know, he's out of town all next week. He's on vacation, this and that. So I should have called back the Suzuki doctor and let him know what was going on, but I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, because I didn't get the report to them soon enough or whatever, they thought I was like trying to hide something. Oh. So I ended up losing, I ended up losing my Suzuki deal over that. And, uh, I ended up riding for uh motor world that next year, um, which worked out. Okay. I mean, <clears throat> I liked Paul Lindsay and stuff and he had already been talking to me and the original deal was I was supposed to get factory bikes, but be on the motor world team kind of a thing. But right. That uh, that didn't end up working out. Shocking! Shocking! It didn't work out. I mean, that, that's <laughs> that's how all those deals are. You know what I mean? They're all like just put together at the last minute. So you, could you not go back to Yamaha at that point either? Like the, the bridge was burnt type yeah. deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Wow. That's yeah. That's a gnarly story. You should have made that call, Bucky. I know, right? Ah. I mean, I didn't really think at the time to make the call. But... Yeah, I know. I know, right? Well, that that's where your super agent, whoever it was, is supposed to do that. But, again, in our sport, these agents aren't really agents, you know. They're just buddies or guys who, you know, whatever. Anyways, stuff like well, that frustrates it, me. It, you know, it all works out in the end. And uh, there, was a, there was a few things. I mean, that really wasn't even the biggest turning point of my career. <laughs> we haven't got to that part yet. So I'll just kind of fast forward through the motor world thing because it wasn't. There's probably not a no. lot of good stuff. Well, let me to ask you this though: year, Did, so. you were on a you were on a 125 two-stroke, and now four strokes are coming in. Did you ever feel like ah shit? I should have got one of those. I definitely wanted a four-stroke, <laughs> but that was another problem with the Yamaha Troy thing: is they wanted me to ride the 125. Yeah, and okay. I, I already knew that. I already knew the 250F was better, so I wanted to ride the 250F. But yeah, um, yeah. See, anyway, see, Nick Way wanted whatever. Nick Way. Nick Way was like, ah, screw the four-stroke. I want the two-stroke. Then he was like, ah, crap. About halfway through the year, <laughs> you know. So should have rode the four-stroke. I know. Yeah, the four-strokes were awesome. The Yamahas were really good back then. Yeah, um, absolutely. The 125s were good too. So, so yes, yeah, so I, I ended up riding with Motor World and um, just really didn't have a good year for, you know, a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do at the end of that year. And I think it was actually Dan Worley uh, who first told me, like, hey, you should talk to Mitch. Like, Pro Circuit still doesn't have a rider. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was thinking in my mind, like, there's no way Mitch is going to hire me. I mean, I've done, like, awful this year. Yeah. But uh, I went ahead and went down there and talked to him, and, you know, he didn't say no. And so I just kept on going down there and talking to him a lot and stuff, and uh, it ended up being that I ended up getting the ride. Um, that's actually kind of a cool story is, it, you know, he had a few guys that he was trying to decide between, uh-huh. and uh, he called us um, – he called it, he told us all like, or I didn't know at the time he told me like, come down to the shop and we're going to have a, a meeting with you at like seven at night or okay. something. It was yeah. kind of late. That's I remember how, it being dark. That's how like Mitch rolls. Right. That's how he rolls. Yeah. So the funny part was, is like, no one's in the place. You go in there. 
Well, he told all three of us that he was considering to show up at the same time. So we're like all just kind of sitting there. Who is, at each other. Who, who, who is it? Who is it? It was uh, Roderick Tain and myself and uh, Travis Elliott. Okay. All right. So so we're all kind of sitting there, and uh, and he calls us up one at a time, and he had like a full on kind of meeting table with all the team guys and stuff, and uh-huh. kind of at least with me kind of grilling me on uh, what the what the deal was and. I mean, he pulled out like results, lap times from every race, everything. Yeah. And uh, just looking everything over and stuff. And um, I think the thing that helped me a lot was then we ended up doing like a test day, and uh, all the guys I think rode on the same day, and we tested up at the Supercross track at Glen Helen. And uh, as we're driving out there, you know, I was trying to get like mentally prepared and stuff. Yeah. Yep. And I'm driving up the 215, and as you kind of come over the hill there, it just starts getting, like, crazy windy. I mean, there's just, like, <laughs> wind blowing everywhere. My van's getting blown around. The flags are blowing. And I'm just like, thank you, God. Like, I'm going to kill it today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was – okay, yeah. See, I was just thinking you were going with, like, how scary it was. But you know the wind, right? Yeah, you can ride it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, so I'm like, this is great. And the, sure enough, the track was dry and it was windy, and uh, I rode really good that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that helped me get the ride. So I ended up getting a ride with Pro Circuit, which was awesome. Yeah, I mean, you're on your way. Yeah. Su- super lucky and and super blessed uh, that Mitch gave me that shot and the whole team. You know, Ali Seymour was team manager that year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Zach was working for that team. and. It was cool there for a minute. It was cool for about a minute. Yeah. And then uh, my bike broke and testing probably about a month in and uh, went over the bars and broke my knee, my kneecap. Oh, um, I thought, oh, see, I thought, I thought it was your ankle the whole time. I was going to get, I have ankle circled. Kneecap though. Okay. Yeah. So it was kneecap. And at first it didn't seem like that big of a deal, mm-hmm. to be honest. Uh, they screwed it back together and stuff and uh i was trying to come back for east coast and i was just having a ton of pain and just really limited range of motion and Mm -hmm. stuff and went back to the doctor and we felt like with the x-rays i mean it looked like to me and to him that it was healed this is probably six weeks later okay and it looked healed and he felt like the screws were hanging up on the tendons um your patella tendon and stuff or something yeah and so we took the screws out let it heal a couple more weeks and then it was kind of like me to start riding for east coast and i put my leg down in the ground just actually riding at star west and uh the kneecap like kind of like blew apart the second time like into multiple pieces and i think it tore my patella tendon that time and it basically screwed up the cartilage just like a lot more issues so it was never healed that's the problem it never healed the x-rays looked like it but just yeah but obviously it wasn't fully healed <laughs> no 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 <laughs> so so yeah so that ended up being um like a nine-month deal pretty much uh by it, the time i had another surgery the the bone like had to kind of grow through those gaps you know how that is like yeah if it doesn't line up right and then the cartilage was a problem and do you have it was just a problem you missed the whole year do you have any photos oh, of you? Yeah. On, do you have any photos of you on a Pro Circuit 125? <laughs> not really. I have a poster from that year, but it's not even me riding the bike. Yeah, with Eric Sorby. Right. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. No. That, and, and again, you know, not that you're a guy that doesn't sound like you do it, but 
if you lay awake at night and think, you're you're like, what 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 could have been, you know, like what could have happened that year on a on a pro circuit bike. So, well, I don't know. I don't do that. I mean, right. my main focus now is like my family. I feel really blessed. Like I have an awesome family, awesome kids and right. wife, and just like a really good life. Like I have a cool job. I I get to be at the track and mm-hmm. teach people how to ride dirt bikes for a living. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty sweet. Like how my life ended up, I, I feel is, is good. And, and the other thing that I think is that you have kind of regrets, no matter how your career went, you know, like who, who is satisfied with their career? I wonder that, like, there might be a couple people, I don't know, but I think everyone's probably like, what if I would have done this different that year? I could have got a couple more wins or whatever. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, even McGrath probably lays there and thinks about this or that you know what i mean like you're right um the one year that Enig beat me i could have had a perfect season or something (laughs) um (laughs) but you know what hey but for reals though because the bike broke on you and caused you you know to miss the whole year a lot of teams are cool with giving a guy another shot and i'm surprised mitch didn't did he tell you why did it how'd that go for oh four like were they i mean because you know a little bit of it wasn't really your fault well yeah, but, um, you know, first of all, Kawasaki and Mitch took care of me and, like, paid me that whole year, you mm-hmm. know, so, uh, and they didn't even have to do that because technically my deal was a Supercross-only deal. So I think the reason why that um, they didn't keep me is because they sort of were giving me, like, a, a kind of like, I feel like they're almost, like, doing me a favor, giving me an, another chance in yeah. the first place. You sure, know, like yeah, that yeah. sort of was right. like my second chance. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I got it. But but maybe not. I, I don't know. I mean, yep. um, I hope I hope that, that Mitch knows like how hard I worked that year to try to rehab my knee, but it just wasn't happening. You know, that could be the other factor is like maybe, you know, I think we were all expecting me to come back for nationals to be mm-hmm. ready for nationals. Yep. We thought that was what was going to happen and it just, it just never, like, I never got to that point where I was ready to race, really. He's a hard guy to read sometimes, Mitch. Like, you, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're kind of like, you're like, am I, does he know what I'm doing? Does he know I appreciate it? I don't want to call him and bug him. You know, almost, you almost have to, in a way, so he knows that you care. You know what I mean? That's a little bit of that. Yeah, so maybe I could have done a better job, but. I don't know. Happened. Yeah. Um, after that, like you said, you missed the whole old three year. Uh, did you get a ride of motorsport after that, I think? Yeah, so then I rode for uh, Motorsport Outlet, yeah. Honda, and, and then Triple um, X. I rode Triple X, which was awesome. That was actually one of my favorite years. Uh, just really liked Alan Brown and my mechanic, Kiwi, and that whole team was really fun. And uh felt like I did pre- okay pretty well that yeah, year. Yeah, I think you were you, you, um, you were then, top 10, I think, most times on, on, on a Triple X bike. So. Um, yeah, probably not quite top 10 most times, but we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Yeah. We'll run run with that. Um, and then, uh, and you rode some 450 outdoors for a little bit, a whole shotting the shit out of races again. (laughs) Yeah. I got to ride 450s. We had really good 450 and I rode lights class in East coast and, uh, got some top 10s, like you said, in that. And, um, yeah, it was a fun year. It was really good. And then I ended up, that's when I ended up moving kind of to Phoenix after that. And rode for Ryan Clark's team, Solitaire, mm-hmm. in a six. Yep. And um, we had a good time. I kind of had a pretty bad injury again that year in Atlanta. But um, other than that, 
we had a good time and I think we did pretty well for right. a privateer team, you know, like Ryan was super impressive, like being able to be a top rider and organize and run that whole yep. team at the level that he did is insane. I mean, I can't really explain that. He basically had like three full-time jobs. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know huh? Yeah. But, uh, no, absolutely. He, uh, he also, um, He's back on the scene now. He's a manager with the Rockwell team. Still back, still around. Yep. Yeah, I ran into him at Phoenix Supercross and kind yep. of caught up a little bit. How much do you follow the sport now? Do you watch all of them? Are you right into it? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, when I first quit, I, I kind of didn't follow for a while too mm-hmm. much. I mean, I was still at the track all the time coaching, but the pro part of it, I was just kind of burned yep. out and not interested. Right. Um, and then I've been recently like getting – more and more back into it, and partly because of Fantasy League got uh, <laughs> yeah. started with the old motocross fantasy, and uh, it makes it more exciting because you're like, I mean, I'm cheering for guys I would not normally right. really care uh, how they did, and now I'm like, come on. I go. do a weekly fantasy podcast, and, and it gets good downloads, and people love it. They, they're into it. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I'm into this league for $100, and there's like big, there's a bunch of us in this league, and, and it's like, <laughs> worth a lot of it's worth a lot of money. Like I'm like, oh my god, this is really serious. So now I gotta, <laughs> you know, now I gotta cheer for yeah, whoever uh, Adam Metagnap, Alex Ray. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. I, I hear you, man. I definitely hear you. Got to cheer for some some different guys. So yeah, I follow it quite a bit and mm-hmm. try to learn. Also, kind of keep up with what's going on with the sport and uh, technique and things like that. And, mm-hmm. Try to try to study the the top guys a little bit, and sure. sometimes it's pretty use, it's useful for me as a coach to reference techniques of the top riders. Um, kids can relate to that, and mm-hmm. so if I can if I can talk to them sometimes about the certain way that Dungey holds his body positioning or or whatever, then uh, sometimes they're more receptive to that. It depends on the kid, but um have you seen this coaching association that uh, has been going on they met in dallas uh, and all that they're trying to certify motocross coaches do you, have you, do you know much about that thoughts on that i heard something about it but i don't know anything about it really yeah they're just trying to get all the coaches together to, to be certified or something you know i'm not exactly sure on it either but fro's pretty passionate about it so look into it bucky i mean he's certifying the coaches like... yeah i don't know <laughs> Probably somebody who wants some money. <laughs> um, all right, before we let you go here on the Fly Racing uh, Racer X podcast with Justin Buckaloo, I need you to unbiasedly, no bias at all, Bucky, rank the New Mexico riders' careers in order. Rank them in order, so we can we can have a final we can have a final list of speed for the New Mexican Mafia. Oh man. Uh, I probably can't do that. I mean, I think Ivan's probably Ivan, got to be top of the list. Yeah, Ivan first, probably. I think we'd all agree on that. And uh, I can't rank my cousins. Why not? I'm trying to cause family drama. Or yeah, like, no, I think it'd be great. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, it's it's just I'm talking right. accomplishments, everything else. It's Ivan. It's you because you won a Supercross. That's you know well, third overall. Anderson is ahead of me though. You already forgot Anderson. Ah yeah, I was thinking more from the era of. You're right. Okay. Anderson. Right. We're it, doing just just. No no Anderson uh, would be second. Area. Anderson would be second. Yeah. Uh, you would be third. Uh, Keith 
never won a race, but he had a very successful long career. Yeah. I might put him next. And then Isaiah, because Isaiah had a lot of top tens. It just was in a short amount of time-ish, short amount of time-ish. Did some arena costs, though, although you did too. You did some arena costs too. We didn't touch on that. I would go Kevin after that because Kevin was solid, had some good results in Canada. Uh, Kevin was always a good jumper too, really good jumper. So I put him next. Geo, I never really saw race. Got hurt early. Was he pro yet when he got hurt? Geo? Yeah, it was like his first ever Supercross, I think. Was it really? Okay. He got, yeah. He got like run over at Anaheim, and yeah, it was a bad deal. Um. Okay, who am I missing? Ryan Clark. Oh, Clark. Damn it. Clark comes in after mad. Keith. He's going to be no. real mad at you if you he, put him last. No, Clark comes, in, Clark comes in after Keith. <laughs> Ivan, Anderson, you, Keith, Clark, Isaiah, Kevin, Geo. How's that? That's a Man. nice ranking. <laughs> New, and Travis Hodges somewhere in there. Uh, he, he, had, he was a good rider for a long time. Hodges right around Kevin. Right around there. There we go. The official ranking of the New New Mexico Mafia. I'm probably missing some old guy in the 1970s or 80s, but I'm sorry. Apologize for that. Um, All right, motocrosscoach.com. People can go there. Uh, And Justin Bucklew, San Diego Supercross winner, Yamaha Troy Rider. Uh, Some nice results through and through. Thanks, Bucky, for doing this. I I appreciate it, man. It was a lot of fun, and uh, good luck with everything. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you at – Phoenix, I usually do say hi to you. So um, thank you, man. Thanks for the time. Yeah, but that would be cool. I appreciate it. You know, um, one other website people could check out is uh, MotoXRiders.net. Um, okay. One thing we didn't get a chance to talk about is uh, I do a Christian ministry here in Phoenix with a couple other guys, and uh, we call our ministry team Cross, but our website's MotoXRiders.net, and uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff too. So okay, uh, something I'm passionate about, but. Um, also, yeah, people can check that out too. Oh, also too, uh, yep. I saw this morning um, on Instagram, Buckley Motocross Coach at Buckley Motocross Coach on Instagram. Yep. Yeah. So there we go. People yes, people can go there and learn all about it and uh, find out what you're up to. Uh, nice career racing motocross. Sucks about all those injuries for sure, Bucky. But it seems like yeah, you've got a good attitude about it, and uh, and life goes on, man. So, um, thank you. And who can say they want a supercross? I can't. Probably 98% of the people listening to this can't. Where's the trophy? <laughs> yeah, Do you still cool. have the trophy? It's pretty cool. Do you still have the trophy? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely well, I, I interviewed Ricky Ryan. He won 87 Daytona, 250 yep. class, and he doesn't know where the trophy is. He has no idea. So I was very he pissed about that. Dude, how do you lose Daytona Supercross trophy, winning trophy? <laughs> Man, ridiculous. He's got, a lot, he's got a lot going on, I guess. <laughs> I guess he does. <laughs> All right, awesome. Hey, Justin, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it, and uh, good luck with everything. Motocrosscoach.com. Thanks, man. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Fly Racing and Racer X. I appreciate it. Awesome. Talk See, to you later. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends. 
and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave and, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss this tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go.